Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Connected Learning TV uh, on air. We're here at Educator Innovator, and I'm your host for this Hangout, Christina Cantrell at the National Writing Project. I'm super excited to talk today with some colleagues about a project called Twist Feet. Um, this project started in 2016 with the provocation, with a small twist of fate, any hero could become a villain, and any villain, a hero. It was a month-long challenge for youth, ages 13 to 17, and it kicked off during YALSA, the Young Adult Library Services Association, during YALSA's Teen Tech Week. So now it's actually a beautiful book. You see that okay? Um, it's also an online collection. You can find it at clalliance.org slash twist dash fate. Um, and it's a project that Mimi Ito, one of the people who coordinated, calls an unprecedented experiment in connecting across stories, platforms, and generations. It was also a really exciting collaboration. It brought together the National Writing Project with YALSA, as well as the Connected Learning Alliance, and then also two communities of practice, DeviantArt and Wattpad. You can check it out online, as I said. Uh, just search for Twist Fate uh, and Connected Learning Alliance, and I'm sure you'll find it. And the entire volume is available to read online and, and is also downloadable. These physical copies of the book have been distributed to writing projects and libraries across the country. And you can also uh, see people talking about this work at the hashtag uh, twist fate and we encourage we'll send out some resources connected to this conversation there too I'm super excited to talk today with um, colleagues Ontario Garcia and Sarah Ryan who both acted uh, as judges for this project but also curators so I'm really excited to talk to them about what they saw in it what they learned and what they're really excited about um, and some of the wonderful work that youth put together in this process so thank you both for being here. Glad to be here. Let's see. So now I've shared the basics. I sort of thought, like, let's get to talk to about more about the underlying ideas and the purposes that drove this project about Twist Fate. So maybe you could tell us who you are, um, how you participated in this project, and how you might describe this project to someone who is asking about it. Okay. Um, so my name is Sarah Ryan, and I am I write books for books and comics for teens and others is how I usually describe it. And I also work as a librarian with teens. Um, and I would say that it's a project that is a way to just explore a lot of different fandoms. These are all um, almost all of the art and writing is based on existing worlds. There, there are a couple that are totally original, but um, otherwise it's taking existing stories and putting a new spin on them. Awesome. Yeah, I'd add to that. So uh, I'm an assistant professor at, in the Graduate School of Education here at Stanford University. Uh, used to be a former, or am a former English teacher, I guess that, that's not a used to be, that's just what <laughs> it is. Um, and I think, to me, this was kind of the coolest professional thing I've gotten to do, right? Because basically it just meant getting to read a bunch of really cool takes on existing canons and, and pushing on the, the stories that um, 
that meant a lot to the people who contributed to, to this volume. Um, and, and I guess as adults, uh, I felt like we were interlopers, right? Like this is, these were uh, fan communities on Wattpad and DeviantArt uh, that were largely speaking to one another. And if you dig into the original entries, you see conversation with each other. Uh, and we got to just kind of like curate and pick from like an abundance of amazing work. So it, it, was, it was really a privilege just to be able to, uh, you know, recognize the kind of ingenuity and, and brilliance of young people uh, as, as an inspiration that I think we're able to get from that work. That's great, Ontario. And I was also thinking about that um, just from the National Writing Project, you know, as, as an organization, getting to connect and someone working on this project getting to connect and even get to know DeviantArt and Wattpad as a community of practice was really exciting. And I realized that um, I didn't, we didn't say anything about those two communities, so I just wanted to give some basic information. Um, so DeviantArt uh, dates back to 2000 and is considered one of the oldest and largest online social networks for artists and art enthusiasts. Um, and um, I think what's also important about it is a platform for publishing and sharing the work. Uh, they say they have 40 million people registered um, and attract more than 60 million unique visitors per month. So it's an incredibly active and engaged community. Um, Wattpad uh, connects a community of about 45 million people around the world, and they say they connect people through serialized stories about the things that they love, which I think is a lovely way to say it. Um, it's consider, it considers itself a home for fresh voices and for fans who share culturally relevant stories based on local trends and current events. So also for me professionally, it was just fascinating to sort of get to know these communities and get sort of a view into what people were doing there. And yeah, I felt a little bit like an interloper and also sort of a, um, a place that, uh, uh, really put me in a position of being a learner. Um, so uh, one of the things that I thought we could do today sort of in that vein of being a learner is actually just start with some of the stuff that people created and some of the work that we were really excited about. And I know you guys curated um, the overall volume. Actually, before we share the work, maybe do you want to give some context for how the curation happened and a little bit of that background, and then we can look some of the, at some of the specifics of the work. You want to start? Yeah, I, can, I can jump in. Um, so I think entries, and maybe I'll get this wrong, but I think across both platforms, entries were submitted by using the twist fate hashtag to kind of signal yes. that they were submitted to either to Wattpad or DeviantArt um, and were then, you know, entered in for, for us to look at. Uh, and there are a lot of entries. Uh, and so really the, the, the judging process of this meant just getting to, to read and view uh, and eventually talk about a bunch of examples um, or a bunch of the, the entries. Uh, and, and a lot of them ended up in the, the, both the PDF and the, and the bound book, right? Um, and so really this is, this is a curation of, uh, of one part of it, right? So when, if we were to go and look at the originals on, uh, on DeviantArt, you would see a comment thread and you would be able to, you know, click on the user, you know, on the, on the person who created this material. And just want to recognize that like we've, in distilling this into 
you know, this kind of medium, we've taken away the, that professional community that, that it is immersed in. Um, and it's not, it's not a bad thing, right? It's, 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 you know, uh, adhering to the genres of a book uh, and that's, that's necessary. Um, but it's, it's really important to think about how this is ingrained. Uh, yeah, Zach, looking at Christina's screen, how this is ingrained in um, deviant art as a community and as a community of, you know, professional artists are on there, right? There's nothing um, that differentiates, I think, um, to me, either in quality or in content that the work that uh, the young people in this book were doing um, and the, the participants uh, and the people who just use deviant art on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would say too that, you know, because in part that DeviantArt has been around for so long, I know a lot of professional artists who got their start in that kind of community, whether it was DeviantArt itself or another platform for sharing, sharing your art online. And so there really is, like Ontario was saying, you know, you can be, it's one of the places I think that you still can be, you know, a 13 year old who is, regularly interacting with professionals um, who might be, you know, who might have been around on DeviantArt since 2000. Um, and similarly with Wattpad, I know that Wattpad has some connections with publishers where they're finding content from the Wattpad community and getting connections with professional editors and just other ways to kind of develop those those skills more um and i think in terms of like the actual what it was like to to kind of put stuff together it felt like the best <laughs> that the best thing that that happened was coming up with the themes um realizing that we could sort of organize the various um contributions in some way that kind of made sense and made connections between what might otherwise seem like really different takes. So yeah, the themes are really interesting. So um, let me just pull out the um, actual volume. Um, do you wanna talk about the themes a little bit? Uh, the book has survival, vengeance, belonging, and betrayal, betrayal. as sort yeah. of the big themes, yeah. I mean, I think those themes, and sorry you should jump in, but I think those themes happened organically, right? So the call was for students to twist the fate uh, of, you know, a famous story. Um, so take a famous hero who, and some of the suggestions were turn the hero into a villain or turn the villain into a hero. And so in reading across all of the entries, really these just end up being the themes that it was, and we, they probably could have been organized a bunch of different ways, but like one conversation was, do we put them, you know, based on, you know, the fandoms, right? So do we right. put all the Harry Potter stories together? Uh, do we put the, you know, the, the Alice in Wonderland stories together? Uh, and that's one way to do it, but I think reading thematically gives you a different sense of the work and, you know, at the end of the day, the interests of, you know, 13 to 17 year olds as they were contributing to the volume. Yeah, and that is maybe a good, way to transition into talking about some of the specific ones that we liked. Um, I know that um, both Christina and I really liked uh, Rumpelstiltskin and his husband. Um, and I liked that story in part because I've never heard a, a good explanation for why Rumpelstiltskin wanted a firstborn child. 
or any child. Like, what was he going to do with that kid? And this is a great explanation of like, well, because he is not allowed to adopt with his husband because of oppressive laws. And so he needs to get a kid because they want to be dads. And I just thought that that was, that was a great, um, a great take on, again, a classic tale. Hey, you're making me realize, uh, I think we're, we're asked to, you know, pick a couple of favorites, but I'm pretty sure as we talk about all of these, they're just going to be a, a, <laughs> a new favorite because they're all, they're, they're great, right? And, then, and I mean, this points to both the playfulness of it and, you know, the kind of sense making that, that young people will get to make of the world around them and, and interpretation, which is exciting to me. And this curation of it within a section about belonging, I think is so interesting too. For me, that adds sort of another layer to, to this and that makes me want to think, oh, what are the other belonging stories about? So that's really exciting. Yeah, and there are a couple that I thought kind of, uh, I can't remember if they're in the same category, honestly, but one of the illustrations, which is the Powerpuff Girls just deciding that this time they're not going to save the city, they're going to destroy it. Um, there was that one, and let's see, what was that one? I know it's, it's up on one of your many tabs. Um, and then there was one um, where basically the, the kid from the Right, Powerpuffs. Uh, that one's Goblin Queen, but there's there's another. I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, my sharing might be a little bit behind. Yes. There it is. Yeah, let it burn. Um, so yeah, so they're just, this time, nope, they're not going to save the city. Um, and then the there was another one where the kid that the Lorax has entrusted with the seed, like, debates about whether people are really worth... Um, saving and decides that they're not, which is such a great twist. And it was a very kind of anti-consumerist, um, like looking at all of the ways in which people are sort of tied up with stuff um, and kind of liking stuff more than nature or, you know, it was, that one was really one that struck me as well. Is that the one strings? I'm sorry, it's hard to. No, strings is. I, I chose a bunch of them. Strings, yeah. uh, unless, but it never happened. I that's think. the one. Yeah. That's the Lorax. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. <laughs> but guess what? That's not what happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess thinking about the Lorax, it, it makes the stories much more interesting to me, right? This is. Uh, you just think about the, the launching pad of, of, you know, you take a story like the Lorax with a group of kids and the, the better possibilities, I think, of what, the, what that story can teach and the actual lessons that come from it are really powerful. Let's see. And there were, um, there were a few that really seemed to be about how the presence or absence of love makes all of the difference. Um, so the Queer Quill, which is another one that I think we all liked, um, basically is a super happy story about a really dire villain who was not a villain at all because he has a lovely love life and has been working for the politically progressive causes that 
he is committed to, and, uh, and it was just delightful. Um, I, um, and this one's from Harry Potter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also part of belonging. That's so interesting. I was um, thinking too, just um, how some of the drawings too, like just to go back to Powerpuff Girls for a second, they talk about some of the ways that they worked. It was, it's so interesting to also see like the, the, that they loved doing it, it was fun. There's commentary with the drawings and sometimes there are even technical commentaries too, which is so mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, I'd say, so that's one of those things where I think going back to the Wattpad pieces on, on that platform is useful because you get mm -hmm. more kinds of comments. Um, but I think for the design of the book, we needed you know a little bit of the text that went with the DeviantArt submissions. But if you go to Wattpad, you'll see Students say, you know, here's my entry. You know, I, I had some trouble deciding this. You get, you get a lot of, I think, what what we also as adults would say. You know, I wrote this last night, uh, and so it's not the best yet, right? So, you, or people who are clearly working on stuff and going through revision, um, but just I, I really like, yeah, the the kind of maybe paratextual stuff around uh, big ugly academic words, right? But the stuff around the text <laughs> that, that helps inform it uh, is is interesting. Yeah, it's so cool. I was also thinking about the fact that when I was reading these stories, I had to, I was learning so much about the original text or mm -hmm. realizing how much I didn't know about the original text or, you know, the insights into the original text, like Sarah was just saying with the Rumpelstiltskin one, like, oh yeah, well I did. <laughs> and actually that reminds me of one of the conversations we had in the process of figuring out how to curate this. Um, early on, we thought, should we annotate this? Should we actually like identify all of the fandoms and kind of, and then we were like, that is, no, there's an internet. People can figure this out. And also a lot of the contributors, like they don't need annotations. They don't need to have these, these worlds explained to them because they already live in them. And so I think that was a really important decision too. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, there's a question around, you know, what's it mean to be in a book that is kind of interesting around this, right? Like it's it's both probably feels very professionally validating to have your work in, I mean, I, this is the nicest looking book I have on my bookshelf now. Like, it looks <laughs> like uh, the design's amazing and, you know, gold pages, the, the thing's in, insane. Um, but also, you know, these are, these are participants of communities that don't really need books either, right? This isn't a critique of the book itself, but just to think about, you know, who is it for, right? So I think as, as Sarah's saying, we, we could have done the kind of boring adult thing of like explain to other adults why these are important stories, um, but it's not necessary, right? Like these are, these are stories that stand on their own um, and are just as real and authentic as, uh, you know, what, uh, so if we think about young adult authors, uh, oftentimes a lot of that work can come out of fan fiction communities and that those are spaces that people can learn from. And so this, I, I see, you know, a lot of very porous boundaries that, that this book and the, the process around the book kind of pushes against. Um, I was just back here for a moment too. I think what's so interesting to me, I don't know, just thinking about the physicality too of a book and the virtual nature of this and then running into pieces that are also physical in nature like the sculpture here. Mm -hmm. um, 
then also this three-dimensional piece that someone's developing in deviant art and um, sharing in this particular context. So I love that sort of back and forth between material too that you see in this collection. Well, and I think that's also reflected in kind of our current reality of how cultural content is getting made. A lot of yeah. people will be like, I think of all of the web comics people who they build their audience online and as they get more known, they start doing conventions and guess what? They need physical objects to sell at conventions. So they'll do a Kickstarter for a print run for their book or they'll do prints of their characters or whatever. So there, there is this connection between the creations that are online and the things that exist physically that is important. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so what are some of the sort of questions this raised for you as you were doing it? Like what did you, I mean, I think one of the questions you're raising right there is the sort of, what does it mean to make it into a book? I think that's a really provocative question. Um, are there other questions like that that came up in this process? I mean, I think, I think that, that book question gets to this, the broader question of who is it for, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe, maybe a critique of us, right, is, you know, why did a bunch of adults judge this work, right? If, uh, if it's about, you know, this, the community, like it could have been, a, it could have been, you know, youth voting that could have been one pathway. But I do think there's something about, um, in some sense, the, the, the who is it for, right, of a collection like this is to hopefully spotlight to other adults the ways that fan fiction communities um, both play particularly important roles for, for some young people um, and can be centered in the work that we do in libraries and schools and teacher education programs. And so, uh, like I feel like I don't need to show this book to kids because they they hopefully get it if they're if they're of the right you know nerdy uh, disposition right like it, you know everyone's interested in different kinds of things um, but for adults it seems like a hopefully you can flip through the book and there there should be like a light bulb aha moment of building some connections which maybe we'll talk about in a little bit of you know what would this look like in my own classroom or how could uh, library programming um, or even spaces in a library support these practices. Um, so maybe that's that's one way to think about the audience is to, to push adults to do better by kids. Well, and I also feel like, I mean, you could show it to teens and they would want to know when are we going to do the next one that I can be in. Right. I mean, you know, because it is this beautiful object. And so I'm sure there would also be a sense of like, you know, all these people are in this thing. I would like to be in a thing like this. Um, which might be interesting to think about. Yeah, for for the record, if there is another one, I definitely want to be in it because it's the, <laughs> nice, the nicest book. <laughs> so multi generational writers and creators too. So yeah, as well as curators. Yes. Um, I was wondering too about the sort of um, being sort of picking it up and kind of the the the. I don't know. I mean, there is a sort of honoring of it in all its glitz, you know, its glitziness um, that that would be wonderful to think about how to do that same thing in these online spaces. And I know these these communities actually run contests all the time. So the ways that that um, thinking about the ways that we could support 
youth that we're working with and connecting into some of these communities, even if they aren't as geekily dispositioned maybe, but they're, but that there, there are challenges out there that they could try, you know, they don't have to necessarily be fully engaged, but it's kind of a way to try a community or just see what kind of feedback you might get on something um, from this extended community of peers. And um, so I also was sort of thinking about it as kind of like some of these contests or this idea of challenges can be a little bit of an on-ramp um, mm -hmm. into something new and supportive of your writing if you haven't been thinking about this in this way. Yeah, and I would just expand a little on that. And I think, uh, yes, not everybody's going to be into twisting heroes and villains in the way that this volume does, but everyone is probably geeky about something, right? Mm -hmm. And so figuring out ways to, you know, uh, amplify, embrace those, those passions right, in, in classrooms and in other, in, in informal spaces um, does seem not only like something you should do, but seems like a kind of a mandate on, you know, ways we should be engaging kids in general, right? So maybe that means sports, which then I'm in real trouble if, if most of my kids are into sports, because I don't, I don't know what to say there. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, th there's, a, there's a larger community of folks who are going to support uh, one another in like the openly networked spaces of, of classrooms and libraries. Yeah. Um, so that seems, yeah. And on ramp, and that really made me think about, um, I mean, we've sort of talked about this already, but fandom in general is an on-ramp for creation because mm. you've got a structure that already exists. So whether that means you're learning to sew so that you can make the costume that's amazing of your favorite character, or you really know that these two characters obviously should have been together and therefore you were gonna write that wrong. <laughs> yes. You know, you've got stuff that so you don't have to do it all from scratch. And so I think that's one of the really appealing things. And again, we know that there are lots and lots of folks who have started out in fandom communities and become professionals, and which is not to say that everybody has to, but like that, that is an on-ramp, um, right. which is great. I also was thinking, sorry. Good, Christine, I'm sorry, please. Well, I was also, it made me think about also how it can be an on-ramp to social action. Um, because, yeah. you know, like when I was a kid, I remember, you know, what's actually original now, but reading Wide Star Gas OC and realizing it was a rewriting from a different voice of that classic text that I'm now forgetting. Um, but in a similar way, Love Medusa, there's a piece in here that's from Medusa's voice and mm -hmm. is like Medusa speaking. And to me, that felt like, like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, the power of giving voice to these important, um, you know, in that case, important female characters in mythology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem like, uh, so maybe this goes back to the ways, you know, this volume's organized uh, thematically, right? So if you're really interested in the sense of belonging and can maybe connect to the Medusa, maybe that leads you down the road to uh, Big Hero 6, right? And, and uh, probably goes the opposite way for most kids, right? But you can think about, you know, how you trace into different spaces. I was just going to pick up on, Sarah, you were talking about like sewing and, and making costumes. And um, as someone who also goes to comic conventions once in a while, it seems like a space where I remember going as a kid and it was very much like the, the ponytail uh, comic book store guy uh, space. Uh, and 
you know, hashtag problematic costumes everywhere. Uh, and there's still some of those, right? Like that still happens, but uh, in, in comic spaces, it, the, the diversity of who dresses up and what they dress up as, uh, to me feels, you know, like a really optimistic moment in terms of now more than ever seems like a time where it's great to be nerdy about things, right? Oftentimes it's still Eurocentric visions of fantasy stuff, AKA Game of Thrones. Um, but we, like, we're, we're in a place where uh, maleness and whiteness aren't always at the center of what fandom means. And even if it's at the center of original stories, uh, or of like the, the the canonical stories, it's it's not often at the center of um, the relationships that are shipped or the um, or the kinds of ways that race is redefined in in stories, um, both in this collection and you know um, across all of these platforms. Um, I was I was also thinking about the um, the ways that. It would be wonderful to hear from the youth involved in this project, and so um, I think that's that's why. Again, I mean, you mentioned this, Ontario. It's like go, wanting to go back to those communities and sort of hear more from them. I feel like that's something the book really drew me to want to do. Flipping through it, um, I was also thinking about you guys. Um, as um, about ourselves, Ontario, when you talk, well, ourselves as educators, that's to say, um, when you talked about, you know, but what if this is about sports? Like, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot, you know, or if the kids were really geeking out about sports, so there's a lot to learn also in these different communities, right? So not being as up-to-date at all about popular culture, I, I just really had to, you know, like Wikipedia and Google everything, like, what is that reference? What's that story? And just how much I learned looking at this stuff. I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting. And, you know, I can see a whole ton of Harry Potter and I can see a whole ton of classic tales, but all the other stuff, <laughs> I like barely know it. So um, for us as educators, it feels like such a, a, a wonderful, I mean, we said this, but a learning opportunity in that way. And then thinking about all the other spaces and places that we can continue to learn to support the kids and to find out more from them. Yeah, you're, you're making me think of, so, you know, I think the first part of this conversation, I've been thinking about these communities, Wattpad and DeviantArt and the participants in this book uh, as a community that we're learning from and it's kind of far away and we go and kind of, maybe it's this like weird anthropological, like go and see the native young people in their wild habitat in uh, worrisome ways, right? Uh, but when we think about, you know, how we bring this into uh, local spaces that we actually, you know, on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis interact with young people, yeah. uh, those aren't communities that are far away. We might we might have differences, but all communities are, are comprised of folks who have differences. And so thinking through, you know, what are the similarities and how can you help me understand, you know, what's happening in sports? Those seem like the opportunities to, to push on and build and enrich a community. Um, and again, also as the anthropological outsider to the world of sports, right? This seems like an amazing time to kind of figure out ways to think about relationships and, and what's happening. Uh, story. I'm ready for like the superhero fan fiction of Colin Kaepernick and what's what's happening. <laughs> this is a real real opportunity right now of where these spaces are are engaged. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about the remix possibilities in that too.
Well, and you were talking about sort of how does this play out in local settings? And I've mostly been talking kind of with my author hat on, but um, thinking about the way this connects to, you know, like professional writing and comics and whatever. But with my librarian hat on, we actually did something sort of similar to this um, in my library right. around a visit uh, with Jean Yang, amazing Jean Yang, um, where we did a comics contest and then put an anthology together um, in advance. And that was actually based on San Jose has been doing that for years. Um, and I think actually a lot of libraries have done similar things with writing anthologies and more recently comics anthologies. And it does bring up a lot of interesting points about how do you judge it? And what is the basis on which you judge these things? Yeah. And, you know, and it led to some really interesting conversations. There was, I remember there being like, a story that had really strong art and then we were concerned about like maybe it was kind of mean and like does that matter i don't know <laughs> um but being you know and that was it was just really again instructive to try to take on that role of curation and then to just be really thoughtful about what what grounds you use. Um. Yeah, I think that's a important thought and conversation. And I was thinking about in, it just made me remember how once I was in um, talking with a group of teachers and teacher um, pre-service teachers and the subject of fan fiction came up and we were talking about um, different ways that kids are remixing content and and connecting to larger fan communities and it was it was about 45 minutes in before a teacher a teacher in the room said oh i do that <laughs> because you know and then it's like oh okay so please you know why do you do that what do you do we'd love to learn from you and and she she said yeah it's not the kind of thing i like to bring into these into my teacher world because that teacher world is often, you know, full of assessments and full of ways to critique and to judge. And actually this work happens in a larger community of others and doesn't have that kind of, so, so these lines that she, she was, well, I mean, my understanding where that she was drawing lines between those two things um, was just really important. <laughs> And, and then, you know, and I wonder how communities themselves do, but the communities themselves do these challenges. So they're obviously like people are judging things and thinking about things and, you know, but they're doing it within a sort of larger community. Well, and that phrase porous boundaries that we used before, I think that's really, I mean, it's kind of true about everything all the time at this point, but yeah. like, We've been talking about these as youth communities, and they're not exclusively youth communities. Right, good point, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, there may be, like, for one individual user of DeviantArt or Wattpad, they may interact more often with folks around their same age, but maybe not. And maybe some of, you know, maybe that teacher, like, is also on Wattpad. And right. 
right. is picking stuff up. And so that's another, I think that's something else that's interesting about this is that possibility of what we right. used to say on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. Um, right. <laughs> or we could think about the intergenerational possibilities, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, everybody knows you're a dog and they like the kind of dog that you are. I don't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> as long as you're a rescue dog, it's great. It's all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, th I think about, yeah, maybe in the past it, it's been, it's all, it might have felt taboo to bring in, you know, what is the thing a teacher really likes into your classroom, right? So, uh, if you're secretly a Trekkie, right, you don't, you don't talk about that and, and heaven forbid, you know, a, teach, a student finds out. But now, like, these seem like the real opportunities to, you know, sustain stronger relationships and also to highlight, you know, how and why, you know, you should extend the work you're interested in uh, into the ways that you, you participate in extracurricular life. Um, so it can be a model for young people to think about. Um, and I do think, I think this question of competition is tricky, right? Because yeah. at least my, you know, my, my, when, when I read in fan fiction spaces, it is a nurturing space and it is about getting feedback and uh, apprenticeship, right? You see that happen. Um, and I've been, I've been talking with um, adults who've been in fan fiction, e, right? it's fluid, uh, spaces um, for a long time. And they talk about the very real kinds of, uh, romantic relationships that have fostered out of that not intentionally right this just happened over you know years of writing and communicating in spaces um, and non-romantic relationships right just really powerful friendships and I think those are important to recognize that uh, this is um, these are these are real people and so it's not just about finding the best of a work right about but about how that work can speak to even just one person right that's that's something I think the design of challenges, though, is sort of interesting pedagogically in terms of sort of surfacing kind of a shared energy around something, too. And I did hear the folks from Wattpad and DeviantArt talking about the communities in, their, in, in that context and the challenges in those contexts doing that, too. Um, and uh, But I do think that it speaks to sort of the community like where you started us, um, Ontario, like a next volume, it would be wonderful to have the youth themselves, you know, co-curate or, um, I mean, you guys were in there as, you know, people that the youth would appreciate some feedback from too. I mean, that's, you know, um, and there was a third curator too, Brian, um, from, uh, yeah. Oh, and Lauren, right. I'm sorry, there were four. Um, and certainly all of you brought different sort of backgrounds and expertise to this work. Um, but thinking about that sort of the, the co-curation piece, I think is really powerful and potentially even power, like pedagogically powerful too. Um, so let's see, just because we have some time, should we share some other stuff? I think it's so much fun to look at the work. <laughs> See. Well, we sort of briefly looked at Goblin Queen, but that was another one that I liked. Here, I'll share the screen for that one. And it's twisted from Labyrinth, it looks like. Yeah, and it was interesting to me because, like, Labyrinth has been around a while, and it's interesting that that's still an 
still speaking to people. Um, and that's actually, I see a lot of um, Goblin King cosplays at conventions. So yeah. it, and it's not just like people who were around when Labyrinth first came out. <laughs> I know, it's David here. Bowie after all. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the attention to detail in this one um, with the costumes and with the little stripy onesie that is actually <laughs> from the little brother that is claimed by the Goblin King. So it was just, I thought that one was really well done. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's good. Uh, I'm going to link one to you because I didn't. Yep. Uh, well, actually, I'll take a second. We should look at another one. Well, when I'm when when we're looking, I'll, this is one that I found that um, seemed to be an original piece too, written by um, two people. So it's also a collaborative project. And it itself was a story about twisting fate and who the hero is and who the villain is and that gets twisted in the story itself. Or that's how I was reading it. Um, and it's a, it's a, a graphic story. Um, it doesn't include any text. So this was another one that I thought was interesting to actually sort of twist one's own story and the idea of twist fate itself being a, a prompt for for writing an original story. Okay, I see yours, Otero. It's tricky because I think we're going to mainly share visual ones, but you know, a large bulk of this collection is text, and those it's are. Text, yeah. Uh, I think the the queer quill is a really good example of that one. Um, but I like this one. Uh, it's also an image, uh, mainly because I always assumed. Uh, Oh, maybe I don't have the right one. Hold on. No, sorry. it's actually that's how the link's working, which is interesting. Um, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll just put it up on my webcam because um, it's the others. So basically, it is a. Um, I don't know if it can if it'll show up here. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. So this is this is the image which you can't really see very well. Um, but what I really like about it is the text around it basically gives a rereading of. Kung Fu Panda, which I, I must admit, I'm just not the biggest fan of uh, Kung Fu Panda. Um, and it turns out like the, the reframing of what it means to be a villain and how that might be related to parenting and also to, you know, innate identity is, um, I, thought, I thought it was fun and playful and made me rethink uh, something I wasn't a big fan of. <laughs> I, it's easy for me to like the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, Kung Fu Panda had an uphill battle for, for my own interests in that sense. Um, or the stuff I think, uh, Christine, you're talking about, like there, there, were, um, there were texts that we, you weren't familiar with, and I definitely wasn't familiar with some of these when I was doing some of the reading the first time around. Um, and so it was enlightening. Yeah, I learned about manga I didn't know about and, you know, a bunch of other things. So that was fun. Let's see if we have any more. Um, Great. So what, um, what would your um, sort of suggestions be for your colleagues? So just thinking about the fact that this book um, has been distributed uh, to libraries all over the country um, and um, that it also was distributed to writing project sites um, where teachers gather, you know, in workshops and um, and institutes to really think about their practice as writers and then teachers of writing. Um, what are some sort of 
suggestions you would have for colleagues in thinking about using this book and, and the related online environments? Well, I mean, the most obvious thing I can think of is to sort of do the same thing that we did in terms of learning about some of these worlds. Right. Um, we're not familiar with them and thinking about how those might be able to be a springboard for whatever challenges or prompts that they wanted to offer in their own settings. Yeah, I, my, my initial sense is uh, to encourage folks, I, th thinking about adults, to encourage adults to read the book, but I'm also worried about the that's so cute thing that happens when adults read or listen to the voices of young people. Um, I, I, would, I would challenge this, the skeptics in us of, of whether or not this is real literature to produce something better, right? Like I think jump into Wattpad and jump into DeviantArt and, and write stuff if, uh, if, you, if you're, but I think that's a little beside the point. Um, but really, I think read this as, you know, authored art, right? Either words or, in, or painting or uh, sculpture in, in that one example. Um, but treat this as a text uh, and, and talk about it and then think through, you know, how can my classroom, how can my space, you know, do this work? Sarah shared, you know, uh, how the Jean Yang visit kind of uh, inspired her library to do that work. And that just seems like such a useful way to think about um, what could you do in your classroom, right? Either everyone choosing a fandom or if you're reading a book, uh, how, how can students remix the, the text in that in different ways? Just a lot of obvious ways to jump into this. Um, but I think, I think just looking at this as a model of, all right, here's what, here's what some kids did. We can do this. We don't need a fancy designer. It, it's nice, right, to, to make the book like this. Um, but there's no reason you can't, you know, produce a large volume like this if every uh, student were, were to produce something in a mode that they're interested in. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, that just triggered a memory that I did actually have one that I wanted to share also because what I thought was interesting about this one, this is one of them that I had to look up. What is Titan? It's a manga uh, collection. But what's interesting is that it was also collaboratively done. So I was thinking about like the power of that, um, that you saw in these communities and across these communities, you saw artists and writers and illustrators and painters working together. So they were using their, their skills um, to collaboratively build projects. So that's another thing that I think is really important to see in the text is sort of all those ways that, that this work was actually created. Um, yeah. And as you said, going to Wattpad, you might even see more of that in the written pieces too. How did they, you know, think through, what were they thinking through when they were writing these narratives? And those stories yeah. of the creator's process um, seems really interesting. Um, I, um, Oh, what's the other piece I was thinking about? Oh, well, never mind. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is um, uh, the opportunity of, uh, of this, I think. Um, oh, I guess I was thinking about sort of writing the sort of different modes and mediums, too. So thinking about it as a text on tarot, the fact that it has so much drawing in it and mm -hmm. illustration and art, um, 
feels really important to also consider as a text. Yeah. Um, and and all these pieces as textual pieces that can be written. And also, I was thinking about that, like, oh, so cute. Actually, when you read them, not they're not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they go into dark places and they go into, they really experiment with, you know, what does it mean to be a villain? What does it mean to survive? Yeah. And, and I think they're, they're incredibly powerful for the sort of the insights um, that are within. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, that, yeah, the, there's some really, you know, powerful content and uh, big ideas to, to grapple with and to, to talk about here. Yeah. yeah, that's great. All right, well, um, maybe we could sort of just wrap up with some last thoughts um, and, um, and then encourage our colleagues to, you know, visit DeviantArt, visit Wattpad, and um, maybe these are my last thoughts. Go visit DeviantArt, go visit Wattpad, get a sense of those communities, and then check out Twist Fate um, at Connected Learning Alliance, um, and you'll be able to download the book and um, also look for it in your local community. Who wants to go for it next? <laughs> I guess I feel like you summed it up. I mean, <laughs> those would be my recommendations too. I, I would just add to those, uh, go make something, right? Ah, so, nice. uh, go, go write something, go draw something, go, go build something, um, but, but be productive, right? I think that just seems like a, a useful push. Awesome, great. And um, thank you both as educators, as artists, as curators for your role in this project and for your um, loving, caring, and expert eye that you brought to all this work too. Um, I think it's, um, it's a beautiful collection and I think it's also, you know, a testament to, to the power of this, these larger communities that you're connected to. So thank you for bringing what you know about them into this mix. Thank you. This was, this was fun. Great. Uh, this has been Connected Learning TV at educatorinnovator.org. If you want to uh, sign up to, to learn about upcoming events, go to educatorinnovator.org and sign up for the newsletter. You can follow blog posts and uh, you can find us on at Twitter at at innovates underscore ed. Thank you. <laughs>